Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Well, this week we're in a message series called The Parables of Jesus, Week 6. We're looking at two parables found in Luke 18 that we're calling the Parables. If you've ever wondered uh, what prayer is all about and what Jesus taught about prayer, we're going to be looking at that today. So I hope that you find this particular message helpful, and I hope that it inspires you to pray more and open your heart to your Heavenly Father. Enjoy. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were unrighteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. All right. Good morning. Great to see some faces. Uh, welcome to those who are streaming online and joining us uh, in that way. So great to be with you today. We're in week six of a message series called The Parables of Jesus. And I hope this series has been helpful to you over the past six weeks or so. We've been looking at some of the stories. I'm out of breath. I don't know. I was moving that thing and moving the TV. I was like, just catch my breath. Okay, I'm good. I'm not totally out of shape, but kind of out of shape, uh, this COVID thing. Um, so we're, we're in the, we're in this, uh, this parable series. And like, as I was saying, I, I hope that it's been helpful to you to look at the words of Jesus and to maybe look at them in a way that you haven't seen them before. Next week, we're actually going to close out the series. We're going to hear from Andrew Friesen, our family pastor. He's going to wrap this uh, parable series up for us. But today we're looking at these two parables that you just heard read. And these two parables that we're going to talk about today are parables about the subject of prayer. And uh, so I'm, I'm calling this message prayerables. I just think it has a ring to it. Prayerables. We're going to look at two parables in which Jesus addresses the subject of prayer. Now, I have a quick question for you. Um, how many of you think that prayer is important? Who thinks that prayer is important? I've got a little question that's going to come up here any second. Who thinks prayer is important? Okay, I've got a few hands going up. If you're at home and you think prayer is important, put a thumbs up, a fire emoji, click like or subscribe, whatever you want to do. But you know, almost everybody intuitively goes, yeah, prayer is important. If this is your first time joining us at church and you've never been exposed to Christianity, you're probably like, yeah, pretty sure that Christians are supposed to pray. Pretty sure prayer is important. Like, I don't understand it, but it's important. And some of you be like, yeah, I, I, I just know that prayer is important. The question is, why? Why is prayer important? 
And that's where things get a little more murky, right? Some of you may be thinking, well, you know, um, I went to Sunday school a few times and they told me to pray every day, to pray is important. Pray before you eat your food or you'll probably get poisoned and die, right? Like it's like, why is it prayer? Well, grandma prayed. My parents taught me to pray. I went to church. They told me I should pray. pray. So we know prayer is important, but, but why? Why? Well, the disciples that followed Jesus around for three, three and a half years, they believed prayer was important, but as they watched Jesus' life, and let me tell you, Jesus did some incredible, incredible things, right? I mean, think about it. Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Huge crowd with one boy's lunch. I'd like to know how he did that. <laughs> that would be a great skill to have, you know, on your resume. It's like, I can feed thousands with little, you know. That's, that's pretty impressive. Jesus is sleeping in a boat in the midst of a huge storm. We had a huge windstorm there a few days. Imagine being out on the water in a storm like that where the wind is going 80 miles an hour. And, and they are literally like, we're all going to die. And they wake Jesus up and he just turns and he's like, shh. And the wind and the waves stop. So much so the disciples are like, who's in our boat with us? Like they were literally wondering, who is this man? Is he even a man? Jesus opened blind eyes. He, he opened deaf ears. He cast out evil spirits. He, he walked on water. He did all these incredible miracles. But what's fascinating to me is that his disciples never once said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to feed people and multiply food. They never said, Jesus, teach us how to heal blind eyes. They didn't ask that. They said, teach us to pray. So there was something about Jesus' prayer life There was something about daily Jesus would sneak away to spend time with his father. And they understood intuitively by watching him live his life that there was something happening there that made everything happen here. That when Jesus walked out, he had a clarity of focus. He had power and authority that no man ever possessed. And they were like, we think it's the prayer thing. And so they asked him, they said, teach us to pray. Why is prayer important? I want to say this. Prayer is important because no relationship can exist without communication. You know this. If you're married, you don't have much of a marriage if there's no communication. If you have parents and they're still alive and you want to have a relationship with them, guess what has to happen? Communication. You have siblings, friends. All of it is based on communication. There's, there's two-way traffic going on. That's how relationships work. And can I tell you guys, the Christian faith is not a, a formula. It's not a bunch of things you believe and then you go to heaven. It's a relationship with the one true God. It's a relationship with a Jesus, a risen Savior who died for you. It's relationship-based. And so if you're going to have a relationship with God, you've got to have communication. You've got to have communication. And communication is a significant piece of prayer. Now, prayer is, let me show you four things that prayer is. Okay, prayer is, and this is the one we all get, asking. We've all been taught, if you need something, ask for it in prayer. Good idea, very biblical. Ask, so we ask God for the things we need. We ask God for the things we need. That's, that's what most people think about when they think of prayer. But remember, prayer is so much more than that. And we could, we could do a lot of uh, talking about this, but prayer is also talking. And this is something sometimes we forget, that prayer is talking to our Father. And sometimes it's you're driving down the road and you're just like, God, here's what's going on in my heart. But you already know that. <laughs> and he does. But there's something about sharing and expressing. David, King David in the Psalms is just like, I want to kill everybody. And where are you, God? And he's just like very expressive. He just shared his thoughts, his feelings. He was authentic with God. And honestly, talking is, is if you're in a relationship with somebody and they never talk, 
couple elbows going like this, right? Uh, if you're in a relationship and they never talk, you're thinking to yourself, this isn't a relationship. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know when you're angry. I want to know when you're happy. I want to know what... So that only happens when there's talking going on. Here's the third thing. Listening. I think it was Mother Teresa. They asked her. She'd spend all this time in prayer and say, what do you pray about? And her response was, don't quote me, is something like this. She basically said, well, I, 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 I talk to God, but then I listen. I listen to him. What kind of, like, you've all been in a kind of relationship where someone talks all the time and they're talking at you and they're telling you all about their day and you're like, you can ask me anything because I'd like to share something from, right? They're talking, but they're not listening. And, and so, you know, you've heard the old adage, God gave us one mouth and two ears. And we should do more listening than we do talking. All right? Well, it's, it's, it's true in prayer. God wants to hear from us, but we need to hear from God. We, we need to take time in prayer to listen to God, okay? Is this helping anybody? Here's the last one that I want to kind of talk a little about, posture. I, I couldn't think of a better word. But posture is the way you approach the communication. It's the way you approach somebody. And I was reading some different stuff online. Um, again, the numbers vary from which study you look at. But they were saying that 7% of the communication that you have with others is actually the words you use. 7%. And something like 30% is the tone, right? Because I can say, I love you. Or I can be like, yeah, I love you. And, and you're not listening to the words, you're listening to the tone. Uh, this week we were having a little argument, you know, sitting in the, I can't remember, it was, I think my wife and I, one of our kids, were all kind of debating and it was getting a little heated, you know how things go at home. And, and all of a sudden our dog is just like, rawr, 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 and he's barking and growling, we're all like, be quiet, we're yelling at the dog. And <laughs> my wife says, you know, he's actually just responding to the tone of our conversations, like, oh yeah, the way... <laughs> Like 30% of what you communicate to somebody is actually in the tone of your voice. It's the inflections. It's whether there's anger or hostility or love intermingled with the words. But then like 60% is like your posture, body language. It's all the stuff you see, right? So when you're talking to somebody and you're sharing your heart and they're like, you know a message is being communicated to you. I'm not listening. I'm closed. I'm not paying attention to you. So this is one of the reasons why Zoom Zoom is so difficult. We, we love Zoom. It's a great tool. It's helping our kids do school. It's helping us do small group. But you, you get like 30% of the communication is actually coming through the screen, right? Because so much of it is like put a hand on the shoulder, look them in the eye, and they know you, you're looking at them and not themselves, you know, in that little box you get. And you're like, oh, I'm looking all right today. You know, like, so you know. What, so all of that communication is lost. Do you hear what I'm saying? Communication. So... Prayer is all of these things, friends. Today we're going to focus in a little bit on this, this posture idea. Because we're going to see two parables about people posturing themselves before God in prayer. And it's so, so important. So, I have to imagine that when Jesus starts teaching these parables about prayer, that his disciples, again, remember all we said, they understood the importance of prayer. That when he was talking about prayer, they would have leaned in. Just a little bit extra. And I hope that you and I will lean in just a little bit extra. Before we dive into the text, uh, there have been three questions we've been asking. The first one was, what is his mission? So we've been saying, what was the big deal? What was Jesus really about? What did he come to teach about? And the answer to that question is, he came to announce a kingdom. People forget that. We think, oh, Jesus talked about heaven and hell. That's what he came to talk about. No. He talked about it, but he came to talk about the kingdom. Jesus came to talk about money. He's always talking about money and stuff. Yep. But he was talking about it in relation to the kingdom. 
He came to talk about morality and raise the bar on morality. Yes, in relation to the kingdom, the kingdom. What we've been learning through the series is that every single parable he told was all connected to the kingdom that he was bringing into the world. And so we've asked questions like, how does the kingdom come? It comes like a seed. You know, is there an enemy? Yes, there is. There's opposition to the kingdom. How should we use our stuff in the kingdom, right? Who's included in the kingdom? Lost people, broken people like you and me. So we're learning all this stuff about the kingdom. Today, as we ask the question about the context of this, okay, the context is in the previous chapter to the one we just heard, Jesus is asked a question by the religious leaders, and the question is this. When will the kingdom come? When? Oh, Jesus, you're always talking about this kingdom. When is the kingdom going to show up? And Jesus, we don't have time to look at all the text, but Jesus gives two answers, and I'm going to just kind of summarize them for you. The first answer he gives to the religious leaders who are rejecting him, and he says the kingdom's already here. Heaven has arrived because I'm here. Heaven is, by the way, not pearly pearly gates and golden streets. Heaven is eternity with God with our Father, in His presence, in His love. Do you you understand that? So, like, if you don't love God now, you won't like heaven, okay? And and so, Jesus like, heaven is here because God is here. I am here, and my words are here. And people who received Christ, the kingdom of heaven was like a seed went into their heart and started to change everything. And you want to be with God someday in heaven? Well, you can have God's presence and His love right now, and heaven begins in you and begins to come into the world through you. So Jesus says, look, The kingdom's already here, but you've missed it. But then he turns to his disciples and he says, oh, and by the way, this is important, things are going to be very difficult for you. The same people that are going to kill me, they're going to try to kill you. And they'll be successful. The the future for you is that Jerusalem will be burned by Rome, the temple will be destroyed, Christians and Jews will be scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Dark days are ahead, and here's what I want you to know. So see how he's talking to two different people. You guys missed it, and you guys, the ones that are following me, accepting me, I want you to know the dark days are ahead, but you're never alone. And I don't want you to ever think for a moment when things get difficult that God doesn't hear and answer your prayers, that justice isn't going to come because it will come. So he's encouraging, challenging one group, encouraging the other. You guys with me? And so we're going to see those two things reflected in these two parables because Jesus is continuing that conversation. You guys with me? Say, "Uh uh-huh. All right, let's do this. Parable number one. Remember, he's talking to his disciples primarily. Don't lose heart, don't lose heart. And he says this. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray. Everyone say, always to pray. Always to pray. You at home, always to pray. Couldn't hear you. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, And not lose heart. Always to pray and not lose heart. Now, since the time I was a little kid, I always knew that I was supposed to pray. And I could ask the question, how many of you feel like you pray enough? And not many hands are going up, right? That, that we should always pray. That we should go to God first. And that we should never lose heart or doubt His faithfulness. And this introduces for me something I like to call prayer guilt. Anyone ever experienced prayer guilt? A couple nods coming back my way. I mean... I experienced prayer guilt this week, friends. Three or four days ago, I got an email, had some challenging news in it regarding something that that we're working on. I don't want to get into all the details. It's not a big deal. But I read the email, and instantly my heart sank, and I was like, oh, more problems. And I just got frustrated. I started foaming at the mouth, you know. 
I went into the other room and poor Jessica, my wife, she's so lovely. She was just standing there and she's like, what? What's going on? She could tell by my body language, right? Communication is like, and I'm just like, and I'm like, this happened, this and this is so stupid. And I'm just ranting and raving. And then when she had had enough, I called Todd. Hey, Todd. And I started ranting and raving. He's just listening to me. And about a couple hours later, I'm sitting on the couch grumbling. Kids are like, what's wrong with dad? And then it dawned on me. Two hours, I haven't even dropped to my knees to pray. And then I'm like, what kind of pastor am I? How can I call our congregation to turn to God in every situation? To run to Him whenever there's a need, and here I am trying to fix it on my own. And I'm like feeling guilty. Maybe I'm the only person, right? And then I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, and then I don't pray for my kids enough. I don't pray for my parents. Oh man, I just don't pray. And I'm just like feeling that. And then I'm like, and i got to get up on the stage and preach about prayer? Prayer, guilt. This parable and the next, I hope, will alleviate some of the prayer guilt. Yes, we should always pray. Yes, we should pray more. Um, But we also have to understand that it's not because we pray. It's not all based on us. I guess that's the big idea that I want to share with you today. Um, God is so good and he's so faithful. It says this, that we would always pray, and he says, and he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God or respected man. We got a bad guy, a selfish, let's say a selfish guy. Now, most of the parables that we've looked at, the person of authority in the parable is God or Jesus, right? Like the landowner and the king and the good father. And like, so when Jesus is telling these parables, you're like, okay, the, the guy with the power, that represents God. But here's the thing you need to understand Jesus told many parables of what I call comparison, okay? Parables of comparison where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like something. Or he says, you know, hey, you want to know what God is like? He's like this. That's comparing two things so you can learn. But he also taught parables of contrast. Okay, and what that means is he's saying, you know this? And they're like, yeah. He's like, God's nothing like that. This is, both of these parables are parables of contrast. Look at two extreme things and, and notice something. Jesus actually tells a bunch of parables of contrast. Some of your homework, if you're in a small group and you're doing sermon-based, one of the questions, I'm just giving you your homework up front, one of your questions is to, to try to figure out if Jesus told some other parables of contrast. See if you can come up with some. There, there's actually a bunch of them. But anyway, that's just the fun aside. So this is a parable of contrast. Everybody with me? Let's continue to read. Okay, so we got this, this unrighteous judge. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. She's coming to the judge and saying, I need justice. This is also important. She's praying for justice, not a jaguar. Okay? And sometimes people are like, well, you can pray for God to give you good things and a trip to Cozumel or whatever. That's fine. But God doesn't promise a lot of that stuff, but he promises justice. He promises his presence. He promises forgiveness. He promises relationship with him. He promises a future and a hope. So there's some things that we just know, even if it doesn't seem like they're coming, he will bring justice. So she's coming to this ruler, this judge. And she's like, give me justice. She's a widow, right? Widows in that day were were not like your top of the pecking order. Like she was literally like, help me because no one else will. My land's been taken or my property's been stolen. I need someone with power to step up and plead my cause. And so she comes to the judge and she's like, help me, help me, help me. And she continues to come. This, this parable is, is something about uh, persistence, right? There's power in persistence. You know this, right? You've heard the old adage that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. 
Like you just keep showing up, you keep complaining. The manager like, fine, here's some free coupons. Like just, just leave, please. You know, free dessert. Just stop bothering our waitress. Like, so if you complain and squeak and uh, that, so there is power to persistence and showing up. And this woman was certainly persistent. I mean, the judge shows up for work. He's got his Starbucks. Oh, it's gonna be a good day. Walks in the office and she's like sitting in the lobby. Judge, can I see you again today? It's like, oh, who let her in? And she keeps coming back, and she keeps coming back, and she keeps coming back. And it says this, it says, for a while he refused. He's like, I don't have time for this, I don't care about your cause. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man. He's like, even though I don't care about your cause, I don't care about doing the right thing. Here's what he says, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. She's just going to keep wearing me down. Now, if we stop the parable here, it would seem as though Jesus is teaching that what we need to do is bug God until he gives us what, he want, what we want, right? Hey, God, it's me again. 6.05, where's my Jaguar? Hey, God, I'm just looking forward to that trip. I know, you know, you have a way around COVID, but you can get me there. Like, just, just bother God enough. And this is how a lot of religions work. It's like if you light enough candles, if you burn enough incense, if you do enough good deeds that you're going to somehow twist your deity's arms into giving you the very thing you want. That's not what Jesus is teaching at all. But this person, this man, he says, she's going to beat me down by her continual coming. Now, here's an interesting thing. He says this, because she keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, because she keeps beating me down by her continual coming. Next slide. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he delay over them? Notice, he says, God will give justice to his elect. Jesus is going to actually do the comparison thing. He's going to say, you got this, this guy who's selfish, who gives her justice only because he gets her out of his hair. Did you know that you can do good things and right things for wrong reasons? Right? Hey, honey, do you need help with the housework? Oh, why? Just because I love you. Hey, Dad, how was your day at work? Oh, it was pretty good. Oh, yeah, tell me more about that. It's like, oh, wow, that's really nice and thoughtful of you. It's like, do you need anything? Yeah, I need 20 bucks in the car. Right? Like, you, it's, it's possible to do good things. It's possible to give money at church and to serve, to be seen. Like, there's all kinds of motives behind things. And this, this unrighteous judge, he's like, I'm just getting her out of my hair. This is actually, I'm giving you justice for me. And the judge literally says, but if you think about God... And his elect, God isn't going to answer your prayer to get rid of you. He loves you. You have an unrighteous judge, but we have a righteous and good father. Do you see the difference? This is a widow, right? We are sons and daughters. We're his bride. We're his beloved. Very different. This, this widow had to line up every day and wait to get an audience with the judge. You and I have access to our father day and night, and he welcomes us with open arms. That's a very, very different situation. And this judge recognizes, he says, look, look, look. If God loves his people, his elect, and cares for them, of course he's going to hear and answer your prayer. He says, I tell you this, next. He will give justice to them speedily. You know, it's interesting to me that so many times in my life I've prayed for things, and then it's seemed like God wasn't answering? Am I the only person? I know I'm not the only person that's prayed for something and it's like, God, where are you? When are you going to bring justice? When does this situation get better? And maybe years go by, a decade goes by. And it's so easy to lose heart. It's easy to start thinking, oh, wait a second, God doesn't care. 
oh wait, maybe he didn't hear. Maybe I haven't done enough to earn an audience with my father. He says, I promise you he will bring justice to them speedily. And then the next verse, he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is actually looking for faith. He's looking for faith. And when he's talking about faith, he's talking about a trust and belief in God that is that is that that can be seen. It's like, oh, waiting, believing that God is going to do it. And this is a really important point that I want to share with you. Faith, our faith that God will answer our prayer is based on the character of God, not our performance. Let me say that one more time. Faith is based on the character of God, not our performance. And friends, this is what I'm talking about today. When I felt so guilty this week about prayer, it's because I was looking at my performance. I was like, man, I've underperformed this week. I, I lost my cool. I didn't go to God first, so therefore I probably shouldn't pray now because he won't listen to me anyway. But see, that line of thinking is wrong because that line of thinking says, I can only come to God when I've got it right. I can only come to God when I've performed well because he's only going to listen and answer my prayers because of something I've done. And that's so wrong. <laughs> Faith is based on the character of God not our performance. And that leads us right into prayerable number two, which is all about trusting in ourselves and having the right kind of faith in God. So prayerable number two, we're going to address this question of how to pray. All right? Many people, I'm assuming some in this room, some watching with us online right now, um, you would say, I'm not a good prayer, if that's a thing. Right? You'd say to yourself, well, you know, like if, if there's small group or if I'm with some friends and we're going to have a prayer time, I'm like kind of Pulling back, keep the head down, hope nobody asks me to pray because I don't know how to pray like those people. Because people have a way of praying that seems so right and spiritual. Did you know what I'm talking about? When I was a kid, I noticed this in church. People would be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Hey, great, have you here? And then they'd be like, hey, let's pray. And all of a sudden their voice would change. And, and their dictionary was like, dearest heavenly father, hear us now for thine glory. And I'm like, what? Like, did we just back into like Shakespeare walk in the room like their words would change their voice would change and, and I'd be like whoa I don't know how to preach I don't know how to pray like that so I'll just kind of I'll just stay quiet because I don't know the right way and they'd use these biblical phrases you know and like I'd be like God like help help us get there safely and they'd be like Lord we need traveling mercies like what's a traveling I'll tell you what a traveling mercy is for those who haven't been to seminary Traveling mercies means you get to the other end and your kids haven't killed each other and your minivans is intact. Okay, that's traveling mercies. Lord, we need a hedge of protection and just cover and smear us with the blood of Jesus so nothing bad can happen. It's like someone who's never been to church is like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that means, but it sounds really spiritual and important. So I'll just kind of slip to the back. And, and this is what I don't want for you. I don't want you to think for one second, that when you approach your Father in heaven, that you have to speak in any other terms, use any special words or language, that there's some fancy approach, change your shirt, put on your deodorant, like, okay, I'm ready. Okay, God, my Father. Like, who approaches their parents like that? Nobody. I was thinking this week about how each of my kids approaches me differently in their own way. It's very personal, right? And that would be akin to prayer. They are coming, hey, Dad. And so I walk in the door, and my youngest daughter, Nora, she's 10, she'd be like, she would say something like, uh, hi, Daddy. And I'd be like, hi. And that, that would be, and then my, my son, Nathaniel, he's 13, he'd be like, hey, Dad. I'm like, hey. And we'd start talking. Uh, my 16-year-old daughter, Naomi. That's my favorite. I just love that hug, right? So I'm a hugger. And so she just comes over, gives me a hug, says nothing. I was like, that's amazing. But it's, 
they're each communicating with me in their own way. My oldest son, he's 18, he would say something like, yo, sup guy? I don't know what that means. I think it's a term of endearment. But like if my 10-year-old daughter was like, yo, sup guy? I'd be like, go to your room. Like that's... The point is, don't try to come to your father like someone else would. And so when you go, like, how do I pray? You talk to your father the way you talk to your father. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And maybe for some of you this week, a challenge would be, if you're with your family and you've never prayed as a family, just open up your mouth and talk to God in front of your family and just pray for your family. In your own words, don't worry about doing it right, don't worry about doing it wrong, just talk to your father in whatever words you would use. Maybe if you're in your small group and you've never prayed, maybe this week is a week to say, you know, I'm going to just step out of the box. It's uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to pray in front of my group, for my group. We're talking to our Father. Did you guys hear? Is this helping anybody? Uh, man, it's just crazy how we, we, just, we just make things so, so difficult. Okay, so let's, let's get into the parable. Here we go. It says this. So he also told them this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So they are clearly viewing their own performance, what they're doing, their good deeds, their whatever, their spiritual life. That's the indicator for how much access they have to God. And likewise, here's the problem. is If you use your performance, you're going to feel good when you do good. You're going to feel bad when you do bad. And you're going to judge everybody. And we all secretly judge other people. And we have to work actively not to do that. But it's like, well, you know, they should get a job. They should work hard like I do. I mean, I get up every day at 6 a.m. and I go to work and they, they're struggling because they don't work as hard as me. And what are we doing? We're comparing and judging. Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but the point is, is like it shows that your posture is wrong because you're looking at what you do and viewing all the results as just strictly what you do. Not like, God, thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I'm able body to get up and go to work and provide for my family and my friends. Thank you that you have given me this ability to help me steward it well. Do you see the difference? Because one of them's about you and one of them's about God, and that's going to be the theme that rolls through this. So here's a sermon in a sentence. God doesn't hear your prayer because you are good, but because he is good. And if you take nothing away from this sermon, just write that down, put it on the back of your hand. You know, He doesn't hear your prayer because you are good, but because he is good. So if we really truly believe this, Nothing would stop us from coming to God in prayer because, you know, prayer could be a duty for lots of people it is, or it can be a privilege and something that we long to do. It all has to do with your posture. See, if we believe this, then no matter how our day's gone, our week's gone, no matter how we're doing, we're still going to run to Him because He is good, not because we are good. He's going to compare two men. Let's move on. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Okay, these are two extremes. The Pharisee, we in church always talk about Pharisees as bad people because, you know, they killed Jesus and stuff. Okay, But Pharisees were, you know, good moral people. They followed the rules. They went to church every Sunday. They prayed every day. They gave 10% of their income to God. They were tithers. Like a lot of the things that we would say good Christian person, that's the kind of stuff they were doing. And they were viewed that way within the culture. These are the spiritual people. These are our best and brightest. And then we have a tax collector who, as I've said in previous messages, tax collectors were viewed as turncoats. They were, they were collecting taxes from their own people, giving them to Rome and taking a profit for themselves. So they were very unliked within the community. So you got two people, and everyone would have said the Pharisees are A-plus prayers. They know how to talk to God. They, 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 God listens to them because of all the good things they do. And tax collectors, well, like, pff, 
They'd be lucky if God heard any of it. But what we're going to see is the posture of their prayer actually matters a lot. Here's the first prayer. The Pharisee says, standing by himself. You know, it's like, yep, me, God, I'm here. I know you're happy to see me. Let's begin. He prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that guy over there, the tax collector. You see what his prayer is based on, himself, his own performance. He's like, God, you must want more people like me. God's like, no, actually I don't. No, um, that's not what I want. Look at all I do, all the good things I do. All the, sorry, all the good things I don't do. And then he says all the things I do do. I said do do in church. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. He's like, hey, I, I don't do all these bad things. And I do these really good things. I care for other people. And I give money at church. And, and, and I fast. I stop eating so I can really show how much I care about God. And it's like all the things I don't do. All the things I... And it's like there he stands before God with all of his stuff, his performance. And then Jesus is going to contrast on the other side... The tax collector standing far off. It's like, I'm probably not even worthy to be here. And he would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his his breast. Saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, I, I want you to notice the difference. One of them is praying based on their own performance. Like, God, look what I've done. Hear my prayer. And the other is going, God, if you're not merciful and good, there's no hope for me. One of them is dependent on themselves, and one of them is dependent on God and His love and His mercy. Now, I don't want you to be a tax collector. I don't want you to be sinners with your lives all messed up, but I do want you to pray to God based on His goodness, not on yours. And every single one of us needs to do so. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to share with you two um, prayer tips. Okay, so I really want this message to be practical. I want Every person, no matter where you're at with your faith, no matter how much experience you have with prayer, to be able to walk away and say, okay, there's some tangible things that are going to change when it comes to prayer. The first one is start with God. Now, here's what I mean by that. I mean that before you start asking for stuff, before you start complaining about your day, and all that's fine, I want you to start with God. Remember I said earlier that the disciples asked Jesus said, teach us to pray. And one of the most incredible things that Jesus did when he taught them to pray, and many of you will know the Our Father, but the first thing he did is he said, our father or dad in heaven. So he makes it very personal. It's not like, oh, great and glorious, gracious God sitting on the throne forever for a thousand generations. It was like father, God, dad. He, he dresses that way. It's very personal. That, that was new. Like, people didn't pray like that. So Jesus is setting a new standard. So he's like, first of all, let's do, and then he says, our father who, who is in heaven Holy is your name. So he's starting with how amazing and great God is. And that's where our prayers should start. When I was a kid, I was taught to pray scripture, right? To, to recite the promises of God, the things that God had said to God in prayer. And I think the reason why that's important and a good practice is be, not because God needs to be reminded about what he said, okay? He doesn't forget stuff like that, right? God doesn't need to be reminded of what he said. We do. I do. Every, when I wake up and I'm frustrated and feeling depressed, I need to remember that God is with me and I'm not alone. I need to remember that I'm loved when I don't feel loved. And, and God has said all these things to me, and so it's like, okay, let me start here. I have a God who loves me, a God who's with me, 
A God who has a a future and a plan for me, who's forgiven me, who's brought me into his family. I have hope. And okay, I can start praying from there. Start with God. Start with God. I'd also say this. Pray to God. Pray to God. You know, we can pray to... I know no one else would do this. But I've been known on a few occasions to pray to myself. And what I mean by that, it's like, you're praying... Maybe there's people around, but it's like, ultimately, at the end of the prayer, you're like, that was good. That's how I tied that verse into that promise. And I said these things like, yeah, that's pretty good. And I'm actually like impressing myself. Please don't do that. Praying for yourself. It's possible to pray for, to impress other people, right? It's like, oh, and you're praying all this way. And then when everyone leaves, that's not how you pray on your own because you're just trying to impress people. Don't do that. Don't pray to yourself. Don't pray to other people. Don't use prayer as manipulation. Man, the things you see, when you grow up in church, you get to see all kinds of, you know, God loves people, but some of them are just weird, okay? And, and they do weird things. And so it's like, you know, you're talking to somebody and you really feel like, oh, well, hey, you know, you should, you should fix that area of your finances. Like, you really have good wisdom, but instead of saying, hey, I, I think you're missing it here. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what, you know, can I present this idea to you? It's like, no, I'll just, I'll just pray it to them. It's like, Lord, Jerry, he's just so bad with money. And Lord, you said that we should invest here and do this, and, I, and you would be faithful, and you're actually preaching a sermon to them, and you're couching it in prayer. No one ever has experienced this. You're always looking at me they're like, oh, I've never seen that. No, never done that, right? <laughs> Lord, help my husband to love his wife. <laughs> we, so again, we can pray prayers to ourselves, to people around us. But we're supposed to pray to God. So we want to start with God. We want to pray to God. Anyone listening is like, you can just listen. I'm praying to my Father, okay? Here's the second thing. Be honest. Be honest. There's something so powerful powerful about someone just being honest, isn't there? I'm telling you, like you get into a small group and someone just says, here's what's going on, and they just say something that like no one else would say, and everyone's just like, oh, <laughs> we're going there. <laughs> like... You just raise the level of authenticity and humility and everyone's like, okay, well now I'm going to seem like a jerk. And I'm like, yeah, my week was perfect. I never struggle and my marriage is great and my kids are wonderful. They're all going to heaven. Like, no, it's like someone just raises the bar and you're like, okay. There's something so powerful about being humble and, and saying what you need to say. And I'm not saying you share your junk with everybody. Please don't. That's another sermon, okay? What I'm saying is there's something about humility. There's something so powerful about being honest with God and, and with others for that matter. Notice what happens um, in, in the text here. Um, it says this, I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather, that's a short form for rather, than the other, all right? One of them, God like heard his prayer, gave him forgiveness, it's like awesome, and the other he did not. And of course, you're all listening and you know which one Jesus is talking about. Everyone does. He's talking about the one who was humble and said, God, I'm a sinner, forgive me. There, there's two men praying. Remember this. There's two men praying. Both of them are sinners. One is an honest sinner, and one is a dishonest sinner. I'll take the I'll take the honest sinner any day of the week, right? I'm not hiding stuff. I'm confessing my sin. I'm moving forward. I'm trusting in God any day of the week. Third question we've been asking. This is where I want to wrap things up. 
Is there a twist? We've been asking each week when we look at the parables, there's something in the parable that's unusual that should grab our attention. And I think these two parables are actually much easier to understand than some of the others we've covered. Would you agree? I mean, they're pretty straightforward. But there is something of a twist here, and it's in the final statement. So Jesus is like told these two parables, and he's going to end with this like, boom. And here it is. For everyone who exalts himself, who tries to make themselves better, higher, improved, all that stuff, will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, you've heard this if you've been in church for any amount of time, but essentially Jesus is like saying this, the way to go up is to go down. And everyone's like, oh, is that like ancient Chinese proverb? It sounds off that the way to go up to God is to humble yourself and go down. The way to become great in God's kingdom and to make a difference for eternity is to get on your knees and pray, to serve others to wash toilets, to do things that nobody else sees. Like Jesus, Jesus is like, the way up is the way down. And it's like, okay. I think that's a bit of a twist. That's not what we're taught in business school, okay? The way to the top, serve everybody and go down. Like that, it's true, but it's a twist and it's incredibly powerful. Jesus didn't just teach this, he modeled it, right? In, in Philippians chapter 2, some of you read this, it says, have this mind, among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took the form of a servant. He goes on to say that Jesus literally went to the cross and died for us. And because he lowered himself, humbled himself, and served, God has exalted him highly and given him the name which is above every other name. So Jesus wasn't just teaching this stuff. He modeled this stuff. And the most powerful prayer you will have will be a humble prayer where you speak to God in your own words about the things you need. And when you do so, you start with God. If, if, if you take nothing else from this sermon, just this phrase, start with God. Let's all say it together. Start with God. So whenever you're going to pray, start with God. So, okay, what is true about God? And once you've established what's true about God, then everything else will flow. Your posture, Right? When we start with God, what we're doing is we're aligning ourselves appropriately with our Father. So let me just end with this, restating this point that I wanted everyone to take home. God doesn't hear your prayer because you are good. He hears your prayer and mine because He is good. We all need to be reminded of this, I think, each and every day. Like, There's so many times when I don't pray because I feel like I just haven't kind of like... I haven't measured up. I need to fix some things first. Can, listen, friends. He is good. He loves you. He wants to hear. I, I've, never, I've never known a parent that didn't want to hear their kid's heart, who didn't want to spend time with their children. I mean, maybe some bad parents, but good parents love their kids and want them. They would never be like, oh, you messed up? Stay away for a while. Okay? He hears and answers our prayers because He is good. This whole thing is based on Him, not you and not me. Our salvation, our love, our identity, our forgiveness, it's all based on His goodness, His mercy, His grace. And we receive it freely. And and then another message is we share it freely. We share it freely. We forgive others because we've been forgiven, not because we have to check a box. Do you see what I'm saying? We love other people, not because they deserve to be loved, but because someone loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. This is the gospel of Jesus, and it is the only message through which any of us is saved. It's His goodness. And so I hope if you take away something from this message is that when you pray, start with 
God. His ear, he leans forward from the throne of heaven to hear what you are asking of him. And he's leaning forward not because of your performance, but because he loves you and he is good and he is faithful and kind. So we have much confidence to approach his throne. And I pray with you, for you. Father in heaven, I thank you for each and every person listening to the sound of my voice in this room on our live stream today. It is so easy for us to make prayer a spiritual exercise by which we're trying to impress you, impress others, tick off some sort of spiritual box to say, yes, I've arrived, I've succeeded, I've done it. Lord, I pray that if, if we would leave this place today just with an awareness of your goodness, with an awareness of your grace and your mercy to say, God, I can boldly come before you, my Father, and I can talk to you with my own words, in my own way, and you hear an answer because you are good. Lord, if there's any person listening to me today who's hearing these things and saying to themselves, I long to have that kind of relationship with the God of heaven. I pray, Father, they would not believe the lie that that's too far from them, but that it is available, that through faith in Jesus, His death and resurrection, that we are brought into Your family as Your sons and daughters. Lord, may our hearts cry that we would be able to come before our Father as sons and daughters each and every day, now and into eternity, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message series has been helpful for you so far. Uh, we'd love to connect with you through our YouTube uh, channel or through our webpage, pathwaylife.com, where you can give, you can connect with us. And uh, we'd love to you also to uh, subscribe to this podcast or to our YouTube channel so that we can continue to connect in the future. Until next time, have a wonderful week.